Hello and welcome to Season of the Bitch, the podcast that loves to be at the forefront of innovations. Today we have Zoe and Adelaide and Ozzy's joining us in a little bit. <laughs> yes, you will hear their voice through your earwaves soon. Um, <laughs> today we're here to have our own season of the bitch myth busters moment <laughs> and we're busting the myth, does capitalism really breed innovation? Spoiler um, alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert, you could probably already guess our answer, Yeah, but you know we're thorough over here and we will be telling you why. Absolutely. I mean, (laughs) baseless things, you'd have to come to different episodes for that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. So we'll be getting silly, roasting capitalism, slinging some facts along the way, starting off in a slightly more serious manner than the rest of the episode is going to be. Um, I know that our listeners likely already know this, but any of the quote-unquote innovations that have been created under capitalist systems are created on the backs of underpaid workers in a society that necessitates the marginalization of people of color in order to function the way that it does, and one that has always been predicated on patriarchal and cis-sexist norms. Um, So capitalism thrives on the idea of competition and therefore we'll always end up with like a million stupid similar products as we're going to talk about today. Because a lot of capitalism is actually about competing with similar brands rather than inventing new ideas that may not be as popular. Exactly. And as we'll get into, that's why there's like 50 off brands of the same thing. Um, Because people are like, oh, that product's popular. I'm going to try to make a better one that's basically the same thing, but like a tiny little bit different. Right. Anyway, I now would like to read my new favorite article that I discovered the other day (laughs) researching for this episode titled Capitalism Breeds Innovation, colon, a Hallmark Christmas movie moment. Oh, my God. And I also would like to note that this article is published on econlib.org. Wow. (laughs) Um, I was going to pick out excerpts, but it's not that long of an article. So I decided we're just going to do a dramatic reading of the whole thing. No, I think that's I think that's important. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I will be doing a dramatic reading. Addie, obviously, pop in wherever. Love to commentary, (laughs) commentate on (laughs) shit. It's shopping season, which means it's time to pick on capitalism. The latest meme for doing this is to create a collage of very similar products and tag it with the comment, quote, capitalism breeds innovation. And the latest version of that meme, illustrated here, uses the Hallmark Christmas movie genre as its illustrative example. It's a good joke, in in uh, parentheses. Though I'm a bigger fan of the prose version that goes, what has 15 actors, four settings, two writers, and one plot? 632 Hallmark movies. Like, haha, okay, it's literally the same joke, but okay. Jesus, what this person <laughs> is doing what they're criticizing by being like, um, let me make a joke that's literally the same but different. Like, mm-hmm. go away. <laughs> and there is something both creepy and funny about all those smiling, shiny, green and red clad couples posed affectionately on the movie posters. But it's a pretty bad criticism of capitalism's ability to inspire innovation. (laughs) These Hallmark movies all look alike. It's true. 
And they are, in a certain sense, really all alike. But they are alike only in the same way that Coke and Pepsi and their variants are all alike. Or in the way that Dr. Pepper and its knockoff versions, another popular meme target, are all alike. Like, As anyone. That, that <laughs> just ahead. means that just means that they're that the, I'm I'm just mad at this author. <laughs> I mean, like I'm a- entertained, but damn. Mm-hmm. As anyone who has encountered a diehard Pepsi or Coke fan knows, there are distinct differences between the two brands and equally distinct differences among their sub-brands. Coke Zero drinkers want little or nothing to do with Diet Coke, for example, and would probably rather drink water than Diet Pepsi. To me, all their variations (laughs) taste like overly sweet battery acid mixed with television static. But to connoisseurs, the distinctions among them are subtle, nuanced, and important. Uh, right below this, there's a meme of Capitals and Breeds Innovation with a photo of a bunch of different, um, I'm assuming Dr. Pepsi, no, uh, sorry, Dr. Pepper knockoffs. We got Dr. Choice, Dr. Bold, Dr. Perfect, Dr. Bob, Food Club, Dr. Wow, Real Doctor, Dr. Thunder, Dr. Right, Big K, Dr. K, Dr. Shaw's, Dr. A+, Dr. Stripes, Dr. Skipper. The The list goes on. Wow. Um, sounds like a big garbage fire, but also I did not know there were that fucking many. That's cuckoo bananas. And that was like half of them. So (laughs) innovation, you could say. Exactly. Clearly, clearly. (laughs) Back to the article. We're, We're only a couple more paragraphs to the end here. And when it comes to all these knockoffs of Dr. Pepper, I'm sure their consumers are similarly loyal to their own favorite version I want to just become like this is this is me as Zoe now. I want to just become like a diehard stan of like Hallmark Doctor A plus or oh. something. No, just like one of the random knockoffs. Mm-hmm. Like for oh, no yeah. reason, I actually don't like any kind of soda, but I'm right. just gonna be like, I will only drink Doctor A plus. And if you don't stock that for me, you're not my friend. I mean, that feels like a fun personality trait. Exactly. I think that would be really fun. And I think more people should be doing that in the name of capitalism. In the name of capitalism. For <laughs> for Adam Smith. Yes. Um, okay, I'm I'm now this writer again. In addition to me, there seems to have been considerable creativity put into finding innovative ways to name each of these drinks in order to point consumers to the resemblance to Dr. Pepper without actually violating its copyright. Equally, while the cans share some visual similarities, a closer look demonstrates wild innovation in typefaces and other design elements. Wild innovation. The person literally used Canva or something. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Many of the cans are also store brands, indicating in this is the way oh, I forgot that this was about to be the best part. Indicating start over. Okay. <laughs> Many of the cans are also store brands, like you know, your your generic brands. Indicating innovations in price points and purchasing convenience for shoppers, no matter how much the drinks may taste alike to casual consumers. I'm I'm upset. <laughs> <laughs> like, just truly what what is this person saying? Because that's just nonsense. Innovation <laughs> at price point. What are you talking about? Yeah, it's probably like five cents cheaper than name brand. 
So innovation, baby. Innovation. Um, back to the writer. So shouldn't we approach Hallmark movies with the same assumptions? Yeah, that they are all useless. That they're just I cannot regurgitated spewing nonsense over and over again. That I, I will watch from see- time to time. Sorry. Oh, yeah. No, I'll watch them. That doesn't mean I think they're innovative. Like, I couldn't tell you the titles of two different Hallmark movies other than that one weird Hanukkah one that was actually what if Hanukkah was Christmas. Oh, um, weird. Yeah, no, I can't tell you simply any of them, but I've I've watched a few and they they ring the exact same way. I guess clearly by the fact that I said the Hanukkah one, I actually don't remember the title of it, but they did like a singular Hanukkah movie a couple of years ago, maybe last year. Um, for diversity for diversity (laughs) and then it was like it was like a jewish person and a christian person like teaching each other about each other's holidays as if anyone needs to know about christian holidays in america exactly as if it's not just like in society Mm -hmm. and part of it was like oh they were like part of christmas is knowing how to wrap presents and they were like teaching this jewish woman how to like wrap gifts because there's no other time or place that someone would wrap a gift. <laughs> no, only Christians know how to wrap a gift. I cannot. So that was a pretty innovative movie, if you ask me. I mean, I'm now absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I'm now the writer again. <clears throat> I cannot see the variety that they surely contain, and I'm not overly interested in watching a few dozen of them in order to discover it. But surely we can trust fellow consumers who do enjoy them and who have particular favorite films to which they are devoted. They see subtleties and distinctions that many of us do not, and the market is fulfilling their preferences for them. And even if the movies are all essentially indistinguishable, that is in itself an innovation. It's an innovation in marketing, an innovation in family traditions for as Many people for whom watching the new Hallmark movies, which is in scare quotes, I don't know why, is now as much a part of the holiday season as caroling or decorating a tree. This is the last couple sentences. I'm not going to spend my December cracking open a Coke or Pepsi while I watch a Hallmark movie, but I'm also not going to spend it claiming that my ability to choose among a few hundred ways to do so is a sign that capitalism is a failure. Wow. I mean, like there are we've we've outlined so many ways on this podcast as to why capitalism is a failure. But like this article shows us, I think, the true reasons. Mm hmm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So kind of going off of this article and just like, you know, the brain worms that we now all have because of this it. incredible work of literature exactly. that I just read. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, what is the writing equivalent of like art house cinema? <laughs> yes, it is. Also, right? we can link to it in the description. I do recommend reading the comments. I'm not going to read them all for you here today, but there's some good stuff in there. Let me tell you. Wow. I love that. <laughs> um, very rarely would I ever say read the comments, but I love when it's a nice, a nice little treat. Mm hmm. There's some real uh, some real hot takes in the comments. Yes. By the type of people who read that article. I can bet. <laughs> okay, so this person brought up 
Hallmark Christmas movies, right? This is not the only area of media, of content creation that is uh, under this calculated way of creating something. You know, Zoe and I had a conversation, um, I don't know, a few months ago about how someone who maybe like hadn't seen many rom-coms was like unclear about what what was going to happen. Um, But Zoe and I were like, wait, what do you mean? Like, of course, these two people are, these two main (laughs) characters are going to get together. Like, that's just, that's how it goes. That's the formula. Oh my God. Um, Yeah. I was watching a rom-com as Addie's saying with someone who just like doesn't really watch them. And so, yeah, there's a clear formula, but they thought that like the side plot was going to be like the plot plot. And I was like, no, that doesn't really make sense. And they were like, you think that person, that person are going to get together? And I was like, I mean, I just know that they are like, that's kind of the setup. Right. And I was like, I could be wrong. Like, we can wait and see. And they were like, no, I realize that you're going to be right about this. But, like, that doesn't make sense. And I was like, yeah, but that's the genre. That's literally just how it goes. Mm -hmm. Um, And every 300 Hallmark movies is like that as well. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I often joke that creativity is dead because everything is a reboot. I mean, not everything but so much is a reboot there's so much to be said about people just going with what they think consumers will want and a lot of people do love reboots it's just wild that the market has basically been made to decrease original creativity or like i'm sure there's writers out there who are writing things but because it's maybe seen as like a risk to these um, movie producers or houses that like put out this content, um, they're not going to pick it up, right? It's going to be seen as independent art situation. Um, But one of my personal uh, recent favorites of a reboot, and like, yes, I watched the whole thing. And was it good? Unclear. Like, Probably not, but is that 90s show, which is, um, of course, a reboot of that 70s show. And my God, it is so cute, though. It is so cute, obviously. Is it innovation? Probably not. No. And like (laughs) the thing that is great about it is we have Red and Kitty, the parents like back at it. They're incredible. They're crushing it. Eric looks terrible. He did not age well. Donna, as we know from like Orange is the New Black, crushing it is it an has an age has not aged literally. Eric, when he first came on stage, I was literally like, "Ooh, no!" <laughs> like, mm, no. And and again, did I really enjoy it? Yes. Is it original content? No. It's really, really regurgitating something that has already happened, but set in a different era and one of the like mega conglomerates out there um is the marvel disney whatever fucking media house that that now encompasses disney owns so fucking much um that you know the entire marvel universe has such a pattern to it as well um in early COVID, did I watch every Marvel movie in timeline order? Yes. 
Can I so so I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is a <laughs> fucking pattern there. And not only that, but like within the like mini genres, right? Like when we're talking about Iron Man, when we're talking about Thor, when we're talking about like all the different things, like there's very formulaic ways in which Marvel has approached that um, with a few notable exceptions. Um and even those notable exceptions were only notable because the like dialogue and acting and writing happened to be like a bit of a higher tier and more interesting or funnier than other ones. It's not that the like plot line revealed something new. The fact that Captain America and Bucky never kissed. <laughs> That's oops. That that entire franchise is fucking fake. I couldn't agree more. When I went to see Endgame, I was with a few friends. And um, because I watched all of them. I watched them all in preparation to see Endgame, actually. And like, did I have fun at the theater? Sure. I was drunk. And when uh, (laughs) it was like a theater where they serve you drinks. Yeah. And when there was like the scene with um, Couch America and Bucky, I like quietly yelled, kiss. And some random ass man sitting next to me was like, yeah, yes. Oh, my God. I fucking love that. Like, good, (laughs) good. I'm glad that everyone knew. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, Captain Marvel and um, anyone like she's a lesbian. What are we talking about? Oh, yeah. Her and um, Tessa Thompson, the Valkyrie. Yes, I was trying to remember her her character name. I know, I can't remember her character name, but I know she's a Valkyrie. There's a lot of, like, queer fan art about them, and they've, like, reposted it. Oh, yeah, because they fucking know. So I'm like, make it happen. Well, because also Brie Larson and Tessa Thompson. Make it happen. Fucking make it happen, baby. It could be in the movie, out of the movie. I don't really care. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Ugh. But this obviously gets into the whole AI writing issues going on right now with the Writers Guild on strike. Um, So if you aren't aware, um, there is a strike happening with writers of basically all content, right? Like anyone who's writing late night shows, anything generally like those writers are all part of a union and those writers are on strike. And the... Part of why the companies that hire these writers are like dragging their feet on a new contract in addition to just being slimy fucking capitalists is because they claim that most of the writing could be done by AI. Um, The idea that AI could create content like that is a truly fucked up one. It takes all of the creativity out of the process and just regurgitates patterns. Um, And while, yes, we just have been talking about a lot of things that do operate on a pattern, that's with writers in the fucking room. So if we were to take the writers out, it's kind of unimaginable how similar all of our content could be. Um, And it gets into this place where 
most times when people are watching content, they're also on their phones. They're also doing something else. There's this energy of people are not often watching content to gain something out of that content. It's like a vehicle for disassociation and going into not always obviously but for a lot of us like that's a way that we like unwind or that's a way that we like um, turn our brains off and I think just creating more and more of a situation where we have less investment in paying attention to what's happening because we know how it will unfold is not good for any of our mental health. Like it's it's way better to watch and be invested in the story and be invested in what's happening because you want to see how it all shakes out. Like that's just a little terrifying to me. Yeah, I I've seen like some of those like TikToks of people that are like, this is like a comedy skit written by um, like ChatGPT or whatever AI things. And like, they're funny because they're so dumb, but they're not funny in the sense that I want to watch many of them. Right. (laughs) I watched like two and was like, that's enough. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so the next kind of category that we have is around technology and building off what we were just talking about um, more in line with AI-generated products or consumption. We're talking more on, like, art and emotional work, including, like, auto-generated writing of, like, Google auto-responses and things like that. Something I'm thinking about with this is um, I actually just heard – I'm about to sound like I'm 70 years old – on the radio. <laughs> no, we because, listen to the radio at work too. Oh, I'm like, because my car is almost 70 years old. Not really, <laughs> but I have a very old car and it only will do the radio. I can't play any other like music. Um, And they were doing a segment actually about like the people are already starting to try to have like AI um, like partners, girlfriends and boyfriends and stuff like that. And that's been like a plot of 70 fucking innovative movies already and i'm saying innovative (laughs) in the sense of this episode um so like not a surprise but there's something about you know human connection and what we get out of relationships that is not duplicable by an ai bot right when i was in sixth grade was i lonely and would i aim chat those bots sure were they my friends no right like that's not really, you know, there's not an actual connection. Um, and yeah, I think the idea of like AI generated art aside from writing, like we were talking about is like other forms of art as well. Mm-hmm. Um, is that it like even for further devalues, you know, people who create art and makes it like, oh, well, the computer could do that. Right. And again, part of art is about like the, you know, human intent. Aspect. Yeah, the like humanity, the emotions put into it, people's like conceptions. And again, that's not what computers are doing. Like, sure, you can program very sophisticated AI. They do not have emotions. That's kind of the whole point. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think especially with like AI becoming popular recently, there's a lot of concern around, you know, especially like, the capitalist class thinking like this can replace so many jobs. This is like great. Um, And that's just further going to lead into like an economy of, you know, isolation. 
Exactly. And I wanted to under the purview of technology, but out of the purview of AI, talk about one of my personal favorite case studies. And by favorite, I mean batshit bonkers bananas. And um, this information that I'm about to share is found in the brilliant book um, by Naomi Klein that my brain just forgot. One second. Is it This Changes Everything? Yes, thank you. I know that you like that book. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Okay. So um, this information comes from Naomi Klein's This Changes Everything. Um, And... The, I I shout this book out all the fucking time. It's so good. Um, That's but, why I was like, I think I know what they're thinking about. Exactly. You always know, baby, though. Let's be real. Um, <laughs> uh, facts. Um, but we're going to talk about Virgin Airlines and specifically this like tech response to climate change to the the global catastrophe and disaster that we all find ourselves in. So Richard Branson, a.k.a. Enemy of the Pod, is the founder of Virgin Group. It's the conglomerate that owns Virgin Media and Virgin Airlines and other similarly dumbass shit. He wrote an autobiography slash new age business manifesto in the mid 2000s called Screw It, Let's Do It, which first of all. Oh, my God. What? Yeah. Billionaires should not be allowed to write. Um, And secondly, anything, even text. Don't communicate to people. You go. You (laughs) you got billions. Go away. Go away. (laughs) You can leave now. Yeah. You want to make things that shoot people into space, get on it and get the fuck out of here. Um, Go to space. Leave your money here. I don't think they accept currency out there. Correct. Correct. That At least not our currency. Factual. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, that can you can start your own cryptocurrency on the moon. Um, but secondly, in this book, he describes something called his, quote, road to Damascus, which was his shift to deeply caring about climate change. So he and his corporate brand development director decided on the name Gaia Capitalism. <laughs> Zoe's face, priceless. So I know, sorry. sir. I'm not being conducive to the podcast. No, I'm just no. making strong facial expressions I that mean, the listeners it's, can't. See. It's truly unhinged. Imagine like the two big eyeball emojis. That's me this whole time. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they decided on the name Gaia Capitalism for how they would shift their company policies for a greener Earth. <sighs> so let's talk about these initiatives. In short. Branson was volunteering to do precisely what our governments had been unwilling to legislate and that people had been calling for. Again, this was this is now a bit of a dated book. So this is something that is was like being called for during um, like the Al Gore uh, tour of him talking about climate change. 
Um, Inconvenient truths, baby. Oh, yeah. I saw that. Um, I saw him speak. It was uh, something. Mm, um, I saw that documentary in mm, theaters with my family. Powerful, powerful. Powerful we, stuff, y'all. We went, this is a short aside, but we went in my AP environmental class in my junior year of high school. And wow. my, I went to such a conservative high school, even though it was a public high school, that they literally, the AP environmental instructor, we went and saw this whole presentation at a local university. We came back and the, the teacher was like, yeah, but climate change isn't real in my AP environmental class. In the oh year 2007. God. Why did why did they take you to go? Truly unclear. For a cultural experience of what is fake? Exactly, basically. <laughs> Incredible. So, right, right. And, and I'm here now, so we love to see mm-hmm. that, at least. <laughs> okay, but back to Branson. Basically, people had been calling for a long time that any profits being earned from warming the planet... So often like extractive stuff, um, uh, large scale agriculture, um, particularly with cattle, um, any type of flights or anything like that, um, any profits would be then channeled um, into the transition away from those dangerous energy sources. So... Branson pledged to spend roughly $3 billion over the next decade to develop biofuels as an alternative to oil and gas. Um, And that pledge was made in 2006, I believe. Furthermore, Branson pledged that if its transportation divisions weren't profitable enough to meet the $3 billion target, quote, the money will come out of our existing businesses, unquote. He would do whatever it takes to fulfill the commitment because, quote, what is the point of holding back when there will be no businesses, unquote, you know, if we fail to act. So everyone was applauding this when it happened. Everyone was like, wow, a good billionaire? What even? Well, obviously, dear listener, we know where this story is headed. About a year after he announced his $3 billion initiative, Branson then announced the Virgin Earth Challenge, which was a $25 million prize that would go to the first inventor to figure out how to sequester 1 billion tons of carbon a year from the air without countervailing harmful effects. He described it as the largest ever science and technology prize to be offered in history. This, Branson pronounced, was the best way to find a solution to the problem of climate change. And that's why we don't have it anymore. Boom. (laughs) I was going to say, how did that turn out? (laughs) Exactly. And the best part, he said, is that if these competing geniuses crack the carbon code, the doom and gloom scenario vanishes. We can carry on our lives in a pretty normal way. We can drive our cars. We can fly our planes. Life can carry on as normal. Indeed, the idea that we can solve the climate crisis without having to change our lifestyles in any way, certainly not by taking fewer virgin flights, seemed to be the underlying assumption of all Branson's views to climate initiatives. 
In 2010, four years into the pledge, Branson told The Economist that he had so far only invested two or three hundred million dollars in clean energy, blaming poor profits in the airline sector. In February 2014, he told The Observer that, quote, we have invested hundreds of millions in clean energy projects. Not much progress, in other words. And it may be even less, according to Virgin Green Fund partner Lavelle. Lavelle? Unclear. Virgin still only contributed around $100 million on top of the original ethanol investment, which as of 2013 brings the total Branson investment to something around $230 million. And that's... Close to the end of the pledge. I think it's like seven years into it. And it's now I haven't followed up on this. Sorry about it. But um, I'm he did not meet his three billion. Safe to say the virgin boss now plays down his original commitment, no longer referring to it as a pledge, but rather a gesture. In 2009, he told Wired magazine. That's incredible. Right. (laughs) This this sentence is about to make you lose your mind. Oh, boy. In 2009, he told Wired Magazine, quote, in a sense, whether it's $2 billion, $3 billion, or $4 billion is not particularly relevant. He could just give it to me then. Right? If it's irrelevant to you, I'll take it. Right? And I mean, literally also, like, he didn't get anywhere close to that, so it's just cuckoo bananas. Um... But in this time, don't worry, guys. He did have enough money to expand his airplane fleet in that time by quite a bit. And the atmospheric consequences are entirely predictable. In the years after his climate pledge, Virgin Airlines' greenhouse gas... Um, I believe you mean his gesture. (laughs) So so sorry. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Their greenhouse gas emissions soared by approximately 40%. Virgin Australia's emissions jumped by 81% between um, 2006 and 2007 and 2012 and 2013, while Virgin America's emissions, shout out, proud land of the USA, shot up by 177% between 2008 and 2012. Fucking classic. And I just want to follow up that on that initiative where he's like, ah, all these inventors, please come through and like, I'll pay you. And basically they got all these applications and they were like, well, some didn't pass safety measures and the rest like weren't ready to be invested in. Um, It was it's it's just laughable. Yeah. Totally. So update for the listeners, we thought that Ozzy would be joining us. Ozzy also thought that they would be joining us, but they are in a very fun remote location and the Wi-Fi is not agreeing to that. Right. Um, we the Wi-Fi you. is not so innovative today. So we missed <laughs> them and <laughs> they had a couple things to add on technology. So I'm going to um, just read through that. So Ozzy wanted to add NFTs and stuff pretending to be, quote, new financial tools that will magically make working class people rich. And sadly, that simply does not exist. Tech stuff pretending to be also pretending to be, quote, new, but actually just reinventing existing public services. For example, Elon Musk inventing a bus, um, which the government, I guess, gave like billions of dollars 
two and he got like tax bre- tax breaks and right. stuff for literally inventing a fucking bus. Also, Uber ruining labor rights for taxi drivers and DoorDash doing similar similar things for delivery workers. So kind of going back to the beginning, nothing that feels like innovative or convenient. Or let me rephrase that. Things that feel innovative and convenient are at the expense of pretty much everyone who is not in the capitalist class. Right. So next, we wanted to talk about some really innovative um, foods. And starting off, Ozzy... Um, this this came from a place that Ozzy and I were house sitting last summer. Mm, so Ozzy recently discovered a food called um, mayo chip. It's like mayo and ketchup combined, and they hate it. I kind <laughs> of like it in the sense that like those two flavors are ones that can fuck with each other. To be honest, but like yeah, I like them combined. But like, how hard is it to have ketchup and mayo and right. combine them yourself? Right. right. A personal favorite of mine that has sadly been discontinued is called Pocky for Men. I don't know if everyone knows like Pocky. It's like those really thin, generally like chocolate covered um, like sticks, sesame sticks or sometimes like pretzel Mm, sticks. mm -hmm. And um, they maybe like 10 years ago or so, they came out with one that was like Pocky for men or no, it was men's in big letters, Pocky. And it was just like dark chocolate instead of milk chocolate. And that's what made it manly. It's wild. (laughs) <laughs> and then lastly for food, I actually find this fascinating. I just spent the past weekend of my life visiting with a couple of friends and we were doing research on um, aspics. That's A-S-P-I-C-S, not aspics. Um, <laughs> easily confusable. If you don't know what it is, just like Google it. I will also explain. It's um, those like savory jello molds that were very popular in the 50s and 60s. And so the Gelatin was often mixed with either like a chicken broth or a fish broth or like a beef broth. So it was like a savory jello. And then people would put in like canned veggies, kinds of meat, fish, like basically anything. Um, what I think is very fascinating about this is that they were actually a status symbol because at the time having like an electric refrigerator was pretty new and jello needs to be refrigerated. So they were actually like a status symbol of that you had enough money to like keep your jello cold. Mm-hmm. Um, so while it looks disgusting, this was like rich people food. It was also an easy way. Yeah. An easy like way for people to, you know, use leftovers and, and canned goods since there was, I mean, even when folks had refrigerators, they weren't like the size that we have now. They were generally like pretty small at that time. Um, and then also related to kind of like the post-war domesticity of that time, there was a big emphasis on like technology and efficiency. And so this was seen as like truly like an innovative way to like make food that was like so efficient. It was like neat because everything's in this one little dish that's like easy to clean. And you just like cut off a slice of beef and broccoli and your chicken jello and you're good oh to go. Oh my God. I know it's horrendous. Um, So a few years ago, my stepdad's family like all came out with like a family cookbook and like everyone pr- like put in a recipe for everyone was in the family. Was there an ass pick? There was. <gasps> and I'll wait, find, I need you to send I'll, this to me. I will send it to you. And I remember the first time I saw it, I was just like, wait, what in the absolute hell is this? Wow. So your family was rich enough to have refrigerators in their not, early times. I, I got to be honest with you, not my any of my blood relatives. <laughs> <laughs> 
because someone was someone had the money for a refrigerator. Yes, yes, my stepdad's family um, did have that um, generational wealth there a bit more. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'll have to find it and take a picture of it, and we'll we can share it on Instagram where oh you can God. find well, us. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I was just going to say, my friends and I were talking about how we had to find someone's family recipe because we do want to recreate one out of curiosity. Okay, yes. So, and I know my family doesn't have aspic recipes. I've tried. So, um, I'm going to make yours. Oh, my God. (laughs) I will look it up right after we finish recording. And we will post that on our Instagram. And you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Season of the Bee. You can um, give us a rate, review, subscribe on iTunes or on Spotify. You can go to seasonofthebee.com and get some merch. You can uh, find our Discord community and any fun things we do outside the purview of our episodes um, at patreon.com slash season of the bitch. Yeah, you can do all of that. And you can you fucking do it. You can and you should. And we fucking love you. You know what is innovative? Us. Us, obviously. <laughs> there are not 50 knockoff season of the bitches. And if there were, they couldn't even try. But according to a weird as fuck subreddit, there are 50 hosts. <laughs> <laughs> There are 50 of us on this podcast, yes. as you could hear right now. Clearly. But only, <laughs> see, we all formed one innovative podcast together. And that's how you beat capitalism. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I love you so much. Also, love everyone you. give congrats to Zoe on finishing their double masters. Thank you. Oh, so proud. Love Thank you. you. Feel free to Venmo me your gifts at Zonasif. That's Z-O-N-A-S-E-E-F on Venmo.app. It's Venmo.com, the app. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bitch.